Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America. Welcome to the 45th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsportsoneword.com. As always, it was another wild week in sports, and as usual, I would discuss the highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items that dominated this past week. In 15 minutes, I will welcome Dave Gorin, Executive Director of the National Sportscasters and Sports Writers Association, to the show, and after that, we will welcome our weekly expert guest, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. Well, my highlight of the week was the inevitable parting of Peyton Manning and the Colts. And by that, I mean the fact that it finally came to an end. It was a foregone conclusion that uh, was a long time coming. And now we can get on to, uh, to the real fun, since now it is mercifully over. When I think of Peyton Manning, I certainly uh, think of the playoff games that he played here at Gillette Stadium uh, back in the 2003-2004 era. Uh, as you'll recall, uh, those were among his best seasons, uh, record-setting seasons, and more importantly, he had, in both of those years, he had shredded uh, what I believe was the Denver Broncos in the wild card playoff games, early round divisional postseason. And uh, both both years, he came into Gillette Stadium looking absolutely, positively unstoppable. And both years, the Patriots stopped him on the way towards uh, towards two of their three Super Bowl championships back uh and middle part of the previous decade. And what I always remember, having attended both games, I think one was a divisional round and one was the AFC championship game. And 
in both instances, he was uh, he was known as a dome quarterback, and in both instances, we had what I like to call, and a phrase that I'm proud to have coined, "snow on demand," because uh, the first uh, the first game was uh, it snowed overnight. And it was very cold, and he came into uh, just a raucous Gillette Stadium, and the Patriots immediately put a halt to him. Those were the days of Ty Law, Rodney Harrison, and the like. And then the second time they played in the AFC title game, uh, it was a chilly weekend, but what I'll never forget is that the minute the Colts appeared in the title in the tunnel led by Peyton Manning, of course, it started to snow literally five minutes before kickoff, which, again, in those days was very meaningful. They were known as the Dome team. He was known as the Dome quarterback, and uh, and it was just what the Patriots ordered. And, uh, again, led by Ty Law, Teddy Bruschi, uh, they just roughed up the receivers. Literally, those games led to... New rules changes in the NFL after then Colts GM Bill Polian complained about how the Patriots secondary was roughing up the uh, Colts receivers, specifically Marvin Harrison. And they were just fabulous games. Uh, Again, I can't stress enough how unbeatable the Colts and Peyton Manning seemed. And each time the Patriots just absolutely positively clamped down on him and uh, made him look like a different quarterback than he had uh, in each of the previous two playoff games those two years. And uh, special treasured memories of Gillette Stadium and, frankly, Peyton Manning. Uh, in the end, he I can't uh, talk about Peyton without talking about you know his breakthrough moment and what I would say you know uh, was probably the highlight of his career. Uh, the Super Bowl championship notwithstanding, but the game before that, they were down 21-3, to I believe, at halftime out at the RCA Dome in Indianapolis. Asante Samuel had had a pick six, and the Patriots looked like they were going to rout him again. And uh, to give all the credit to Peyton Manning, he led that team back in the second half. It was an amazing, amazing game. Horrible, horrible loss for the Patriots and Patriot fans, I think, at the time. And it still may be true. Uh, it was the largest comeback ever in an NFL championship game, and uh, and on they went to the Super Bowl. So that was their year, and uh, you know his career has been just something to behold. And didn't know how much I missed him until this past uh, December fourth when uh, the Colts came to Gillette Stadium in what was just simply a meaningless game. I literally could not give my tickets away. And, you know, when the schedule had come out back in May, I, of course, as I did every year, circled that game on the calendar as the game of the year. For so many years, it was the highest-rated NFL game through most of the previous decade. They played pretty much every year, many of them right here at Gillette Stadium, many of them that I attended. And there was just nothing like it. And this year was, again, uh, just completely flat and basically meaningless without him. It was the worst game of the year on the schedule, as it turned out. And uh, so 
I missed him, and I'm glad to hear he's coming back. So now the big question is, where will he go? And for my money, I absolutely am predicting he will go to the Miami Dolphins. No surprise. Uh, you know, as we all know, he's been working out in Miami. He has a place down in Miami. Rumor is his wife loves Miami, and they're a team desperately in need of a quarterback, but more desperately in need of becoming relevant again on the Miami sports scene. Um, the most important factor here is simply that Stephen Ross, the owner, is a star-driven owner. And by that, I mean he is brought in uh, as limited partners, uh, the Williams sisters, uh, J-Lo, and loves to entertain high-profile celebrities in his box for games. Uh, so he is the most important factor in why uh, Peyton Manning, I believe, is going to end up in Miami. He is, uh, you know, and they have a new coach, Joe Philbin, uh, from the Green Bay Packers, former offensive coordinator there, who obviously developed uh, Aaron Rodgers. And uh, so they've already got a clean slate going down there and going on down there. They don't have a great quarterback. I think it's Matt Moore that's, you know, uh, that has to be removed to bring in Peyton. So all the circumstances are just perfect, and I love it best part of all is that he would be in the AFC East uh, playing the Patriots playing against Tom Brady head-to-head -head twice a year it would mean that uh, you know I would get to see him up here at Gillette Stadium once a year uh, and so I just hope he ends up down there and um, really spices up the AFC East and increases the dramatic rivalry with Tom Brady I think it would just be terrific so uh, we shall see. It sure is fun. It reminds me a little bit about the post uh, of the post lockout situation when uh, you know the free agents were just uh, signing fast and furious, and it was just exhilarating. Needless to say, I think this will be the biggest free agent uh, courting, if you will, in the history of sports in America. I think it will, uh, it depends on how Peyton plays it, whether he just signs quickly or if he does a LeBron tour or what the situation will be. But in the end, I do believe he will take his talents to South Beach, and I think it's going to be fun. Um, my low light of the week is this week's uh, Sports Illustrated story describing how Lenny Dykstra landed in jail. It is an absolute must-read. I read it last night. And it's just an incredible story of Dykstra's criminal behavior, which is rooted in how he falsified a, a dummy company that he had, how he falsified their financials to lease uh, luxury cars. But more importantly, the story describes how his true talent was not reading the stock market, which made him rich a few years back before he went bankrupt. Uh, but his true talent is rather reading instantly the weaknesses of people he met that he then used as the front men or women in trying to defraud car dealerships so he could uh, rent luxury cars. That seemed to be his thing. 
And, uh, you know, I remember back uh, when he was lauded a few years ago for his business acumen. And, uh, you know, he was a subject of numerous documentaries, uh, a high flyer in every sense of the word. And, uh, but we now know that his true genius was really ultimately to be used for, uh, for that of the criminal kind, shall we say. So, again, it's an absolute must-read. I remember Dykstra well as a player. He was uh, fascinating to watch then. He was fascinating to watch as he uh, became a multimillionaire, both through car washes out in California as well as uh, being a stock market picker. And then it just all came down around him. But then, you know, the lengths to which he went to get cars and houses and whatnot, as detailed in the Sports Illustrated story, is just absolutely incredible. Um, fascinating, to put it mildly. And moving from that, my bizarre story of the week is Bounty Gate, New Orleans Saints defense paying for injuries they inflicted upon uh, opponents, specifically star opponents. Um... The main example that we're all hearing about is the NFC Championship game a couple years ago uh, against Brett Favre uh, and the Vikings. And anybody who watched that game remembers the absolute incredible beating that Favre took from the Saints defense. And uh, Favre, you can say what you want about Brett Favre, but no one will ever doubt his toughness. And he, of course, just come out in the last week or two talking about, uh, last week, I should say, talking about, uh, you know, how what the Saints did that yet, they struck him as unusual. And he even remarked to Darren Sharper asking, like, what those guys were, were doing that day. Uh, it was just, you know, not really late hits, although there were a few of them, but they were just, like, timed right at the whistle and... Uh, you know, not that there were flags on every play, but they absolutely, uh, the minute they got near them, they hit them. And it was just incredible to watch. And uh, lo and behold, we now know what was going on that day. Aside from the obvious, uh, you know, the worst part about this to me is that the Saints' defense was simply nothing special. And in fact, they gave it up the last two years uh, in the postseason to first the Seahawks, who were 7-9 and nine and in the playoffs, you remember, may remember, two years ago. Uh, uh, but yet they, on that fa- fabulous, unforgettable Marshawn Lynch touchdown run, beat the, uh, beat the Saints out in Seattle to knock them off. The Saints were, of course, defending Super Bowl champions. And then this past January... Uh, you know, they gave it up twice at the end uh, to the San Francisco 49ers and specifically to uh, quarterback Alex Smith and tight end Vernon Davis. So, again, it was just, uh, you know, nothing special, to say the least, uh, to watch the Saints play defense. Uh, you know, I don't think anybody even thought much about their defense. They were just simply considered, uh, you know, Average, at best, and when anybody thought of the Saints, uh, you thought about their offense, you thought about Drew Brees, and uh, just that record-setting offense that they had. So, um, 
needless to say, Bounty Gate is uh, just beginning. Um, you know, we have not begun to see the outcome of this, uh, knowing how player safety has become the cause celeb of Commissioner Roger Goodell, whom I have had the good fortune to interview one-on-one. -on -one. And so I can uh, speak from personal experience that when the commissioner, uh, you know, when the commissioner speaks and has conviction and a purpose in mind, such as player safety, uh, he's going to follow through. So uh, I have no doubts whatsoever that he will be um, dealing with this very, very severely. Uh, I think he is going to put the hammer down like he never has before to ensure that something like this never happens again. The severe punishment, I believe, will be a true game-changing moment in NFL history that we will look back on in future years and say, uh, that's when the game changed. And I think this is going to be the trigger that's going to change everything having to do with uh, player safety. And now, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety Ray Ellis on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific time 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you? It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemont Williams. Each week, join Lemont as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is one 
888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. Well, it's that time of the show when we often have guests, and joining us today is Dave Gorin, Executive Director of the National Sportscasters and Sports Writers Association. Dave, how are you doing today? Doing great, John. How are you? Good, good. Well, it's good to have you on again. It's been a little while. Yeah, as always, it's great to be on with you. Well, great. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to join us, and I know this is uh, an exciting and busy time of year for you. Uh, I believe just this past week you announced the uh, NSSA Awards Weekend on June 9th through 11th, and uh, I know every year it's a fabulous weekend, and just curious what you have planned for this year's weekend. Well, it won't be too much of a departure from uh, what has become the norm. It's a three-day awards weekend, and what we do is, is we reward excellence in our, in our businesses, sportscasting and sports riding. We will have somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 or 70 sportscasters and sports riders from all over the country, uh, state sportscasters and sports riders of the year, our national sportscaster and sports writer of the year, and our two Hall of Famers, who this year are Bob Costas, who everyone knows, and John Feinstein, who I, I would hope everyone knows as our sports Hall of Fame sportscaster and sports writer. So we're very excited about that. Uh, ESPN's Dan Schulman is our national sportscaster of the year, and Joe Posnanski of Sports Illustrated is our national sports writer of the year. And I, I was telling somebody there's a lot of talent out there, but I'm not so sure that if uh, if I weren't voting, that I wouldn't pick those four as the, the big award winners this year. Oh, I agree with you, Dave. Those are some huge names. Uh, I had the pleasure when I was out in Indianapolis covering Super Bowl weekend of attending the uh, NBC press conference uh, with the announcing team uh, three, four days before the game. And uh, so that meant, of course, Bob Costas was there and sat at a table with Bob for about 10, 15 minutes with a group of uh, other uh sports media types interviewing Bob and he was as great in person as I've seen and we've all grown to love on television. He, he is a, uh, a special talent to put it mildly. Yes, he is. Uh, I would say he is probably, he might've set the bar for being prepared for a broadcast um, as well prepared as you'll find as knowledgeable as you'll find. And it's uh, certainly a kick for me, a uh, little old me sitting here in Salisbury, North Carolina when the phone rang two days ago, as it did a couple weeks before. And, Hi, Dave. It's Bob Costas, and you know you just don't expect wow. someone of his caliber to be calling you on the phone in the middle of the afternoon. But they're always uh, fun conversations. Yes, yes, that's great. Well, I know in the past, I think last year uh, you had you honored Jim Nance, I believe, mm-hmm. and you always just have you know a great lineup, household names, and. I think you picked a great year to have Bob Costas because, in my mind, the most significant sports news interview of the year was when he uh, landed Jerry Sandusky at the height of the Penn State scandal breaking, of course, on 30 Rock, which I believe may have been its actual debut show. And it was the perfect blend of, you know, sports and news on every front imaginable. And 
You know, Bob Costas. I mean, I, I think that's one go. That one's going in the Hall of Fame of interviews because he just, you know, handled it beautifully. Extracted as much information as I believe anyone possibly could have at that moment in time. And number one, just landing the interview was, you know, incredible. And uh, I just thought, again, it, it was just priceless, you know, to. Uh, to listen to how he conducted that interview and how he played perfectly off Sandusky's answers that night. Right. And, and I thought he, he did a great job of, of not crossing the line um, of being respectful of his guest, no matter what that guest might be accused of <clears throat> and yet still probing uh, for the answers that, that he thought his audience wanted. And I thought, I agree. I was watching that night and, and I said, if he doesn't make our Hall of Fame this year, I'll be amazed. And that uh, yeah, it was, it was at some point right before our final voting. I don't remember the exact uh, time frame, but I, I know that did not uh, did not hinder his candidacy. I'll put it that way. And uh, yeah, I've always respected him as he's probably, if not the best, one of the best interviewers working in sports. Even though he's worked outside with his own show before. Um, but uh, I think he does a, a great job in, in in interviewing, and that's that's not an. It might look easy. It's not an easy skill to master. No, no, not at all. Something both you and I are uh, a little familiar with, to say the least. And it uh, it can be tricky to navigate those waters. And he just did it beautifully. And I, I, I think you know again that may have been, and he might tell you that you know certainly among, if not the highlight of his career and uh you know john feinstein yet another very good selection of course he burst onto the national scene with uh you know his book on bob knight years and years ago of course season on the brink season on the brink exactly and i have you know Interviewed Bob Knight for uh, Armchair General Magazine a while back. I've gotten to know him. Uh, Bob Knight has treated me wonderfully and, uh, and in fact, arranged for me to interview both Bill Parcells and Mike Krzyzewski for the same magazine. My Krzyzewski article was just literally hitting newsstands as we speak. Uh, but back to John Feinstein. Uh, again, he burst on the national scene with that book, and it was really among the first you know, peek behind the curtain of, you know, the aura that Bob Knight has. And uh, since then, he's moved on to, you know, many other different and interesting things. And these days, he seems to be pretty focused on golf. Yeah, he is. He's now written 28 books. I think, I believe, oh on the Brink was his first. So that's averaging close to uh, one a year, which is... wow. I mean, I always say I would love to write a book, but I know I don't have that kind of discipline. So just think about that. A book a year, he's written you know, books for young adults. In fact, he was gracious enough. My, my now 14-year-old, I think when he was 10 or 11, was, was reading one of John's uh, books. Set at, the setting was the Final Four, and I happened to be with John at the, I believe it was, it was either the ACC or NCAA tournament in Charlotte, and I, I brought my son's book with me and John was gracious enough to sign it, but I've wow. known John covering the ACC for as many years as I have, and even before that, the Big East, I have you know, run into John on many occasions and have gotten to know him a little bit. In fact, of uh, the six or seven Final Fours I was fortunate enough to cover, 
I think maybe 2004 in San Antonio was my favorite because I got to spend one night at the Media Hotel Bar until 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the morning just listening to John Feinstein tell stories. And if uh, anyone out there ever gets that opportunity, my advice would be to take it because he is a masterful storyteller. As much as Bob, Fein- uh, Bob, Fein- Bob Costas is a master interviewer, uh, John Feinstein is a master storyteller. And it was uh, I don't know that any of those stories will find their way into a book, but they were uh, entertaining to say the least. Yes, well, they found their way to you, so that's great. Well, I'm sure... Uh... You were just telling the bartender, keep them coming, because you want to keep that going as long as possible. Uh, I don't, I don't that's even a great think I was story. anything. I was busy listening. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. All ears. And uh, Well, that's interesting to hear, because I actually have just uh, received media credentials for the NCAA Eastern Regional up here in Boston uh, in two weeks, literally two weeks from yesterday. Um, winner goes to the final four. It's, you know, the, again, there's four regionals on that weekend and, uh, I just can't wait. You know, I, I've been to NCAA, uh, March Madness games before, but have yet to cover them. It's going to be Thursday, Saturday up here at the Boston garden. And, uh, I am very excited. So, uh, you had the pleasure of covering some Final Fours. I won't confuse a regional with a Final Four, but I'm pretty excited nonetheless. Well, it's all fun, and regionals might even be better because at the Final Four there are so many media there that at times it can be a little overwhelming and not as easy to, if you're looking for a certain angle on a story, sometimes you're out of luck because there are 40 other people who want to talk to the same people, and the regional would be a little bit easier to do that. Uh, for me, it was all fun, and and I am selfishly hoping that you get to see Syracuse come out of the East and go to the Final Four. Yeah, uh, in fact, I saw Mark Blauchen from the Boston Globe, college writer, uh, mm-hmm. picked you know predicted his regionals today, and he predicted Syracuse and Duke for the Eastern Regional, and that's exactly what I'm hoping. Um, <laughs> you, you know. Duke specifically, quite frankly, because of my Coach K article that I'd like to present to him personally, an issue of the magazine, uh, since we did the interview by phone about six months ago, and uh, Duke was up here a couple years ago, and there, you know, I went to their practice, and you know, they're like the Yankees, they're they're like rock stars, and uh, right. and Syracuse isn't far behind, and. Uh, I would lo- I, I would just love to see a Syracuse Duke final uh, two weeks from tomorrow here in Boston. That would be spectacular to say the least. And of, of course, Coach K and Jim Beheim Bay- are good friends. And right, he's the head coach for the U.S. team going to the Olympics this year, and Beheim's one of his assistants. And of course, I- our guy Bob Costas will be the host for NBC's coverage of the London Olympics. I believe it's his. It'll be his ninth. A time anchoring primetime coverage, which is more than anybody else. Well, exactly. And, uh, you know, speaking of that, I'm just going to bring up a name that I know you know well and I know well, and uh, because he is retiring after mm-hmm. when the Olympics end. And that, of course, is Bob Ryan, the venerable sports writer for the Boston Globe and uh, often seen on ESPN uh, sports reporters and sometimes fill in host with uh, PTI, pardon the interruption. Right. Bob Ryan, it's going to be uh, it's 
strange to imagine life without a daily dose of Bob Ryan. Uh, and again, he's already announced uh, he's retiring when the Olympics end. So I know Bob has won Euro State Award, if not more, in the past. He's won the State Award. He's won several National Sports Writers of the Year Award. He was inducted into our Hall of Fame last year. And because this is the 50th anniversary of our Hall of Fame, we've invited back all of our living Hall of Famers, which is, you can make the jokes about afterwards, but uh, <laughs> so far, Bob and his former co-worker, Lee Montville, are the uh, two who will be coming back this year. And Bob, Bob's always been gracious. He, uh, his story is uh, one of his co-workers asked him one time, had been elected Massachusetts Sports Writer of the Year, and asked Bob, well, should I go down there? And Bob's stock line is, well, if you like to be fawned over for three days and told how great you are and, and given all this food and drink, then you should probably go. But if you don't want that, then you should. Then stay home. <laughs> but And also play a little golf. Yeah, why don't you just, uh, as we finish up here, Dave, just talk a little bit about the weekend. I know it's spectacular. I know the golf's part of it and, and a whole lot more. It's just, I, I didn't right. know that the agenda you have is terrific. Well, we we will begin on Saturday, June 9th this year. We have a welcome reception with hors d'oeuvres and and beverages, and that's where people, winners who come in from all over the country, meet their local hosts. And the local hosts basically sit with them at the events and make sure that uh, they're comfortable and they have you know, whatever questions they might have answered. We do a welcome dinner and then follow that up with a panel discussion. In fact, Bob Ryan took part in that discussion two years ago. It was just a bunch of guys telling stories, basically. And they take questions from the audience that's there. Last year, we did a Women in Sports Media Issues Forum, and Leslie Visser, another former Boston Globe writer, now with CBS Sports, uh, was the headliner for that. Uh, this year, I think we're going to do, we haven't nailed it down yet, but it will probably be coaches and media relations. And you know how, what, what the coaches hate that we in the media do, what do the media wish that, that coaches would do to make our jobs easier, maybe. Uh, but you know, given the right coach and and people up on the panel, it will be not only informative for our people, but entertaining for the local folks who act as hosts as well. Uh, Sunday, the National Athletic Trainers Association sponsors a brunch. They put two of their members in front of us to do sports medicine-related seminars. They also hold a sports medicine-related media contest, and the winner of that contest gets $500 and a free trip to Salisbury for our awards weekend, which is kind of cool. Uh, we are this year. Last year we had done, we did an autograph session, and any of our winners who wanted to participate did. That was uh, free and open to the public. This year, instead of that, we're going to do a book signing, and we've offered that to our winners as well as uh, any of our members. If you have a book and you want to maybe sell a few copies and sign a few autographs, we're going to do that at a local uh, bookstore, Literary Book Post, which is a local independent uh, bookstore, and we all know what kind of struggles they've had over the last ten years. So. Yep. We're, we're happy to do that for a local partner. We do a dinner dance Sunday night. We're going to do a good old-fashioned Carolina barbecue with a little Texas barbecue flair at the historic train depot downtown, which is right behind our offices. And Monday, as you mentioned, John, there's a golf tournament you can play in. There's a tennis tournament if, you're not a, if you don't prefer to play golf. If you don't uh, want to do either of those, we run a trolley tour of historic Salisbury, which uh, Peter King, last year's National Sports Writer of the Year, wrote about in his Monday morning quarterback. In fact, he mentioned us consecutive weeks last year. Hmm. Uh, and then following that, 
those people get to have a little luncheon, and we let them loose on the downtown Salisbury streets to do a little shopping. And then when all that's over, they come back to the hotel, and they shower up and get dressed for what will be our 53rd annual uh, awards banquet. Uh, anybody who's anybody has been to it, and it's I can only the best way I can describe it is it's a blast uh, to hear stories from you know the the best of the best in our business is uh, you know I, I'm fortunate I, I feel fortunate not only to be the executive director of the organization that puts it on I'm I just feel fortunate to be in, in the audience for that to be able to listen to all the stories that are told. Well, that sounds terrific, Dave, and I really take uh, appreciate you taking the time to join me on the show today and describe it, uh, tell us who the winners are, talk a little bit about them, give some behind-the-scenes stories, which, of course, all our listeners love. And uh, I'm sure we'll be having you on again soon. And once again, I just want to thank you for joining us today. Well, John, you're always welcome, and anytime I can uh, spread the word, I am happy to and always glad to uh do anything with you. Terrific, Dave. Once again, thank you, and it's time for our break now. And joining me next will be our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav. Brought to you by Whitetail's Extreme. This week we'll have Larry Wysoon, Mr. Whitetail himself, Gary Smith, editor of Hunting Handgun Magazine, Doug Koenig, who's a competitive shooter, and Tom McIntyre with Field and Tree Magazine when we talk about hunting with handguns. All brought to you by Ram Trucks at ramtrucks.com. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. I'm Jim Ferguson. I'll see you on the trail. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. And joining me now is our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. And welcome, Barry. How are you today? I'm terrific, John. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, We were just talking here during the break, and it sounds like you have some uh, breaking news. Well, yeah, we just heard that... um uh, on the radio, according to uh, the Denver Post, there was a story that uh, the Post has just published just, just a little while ago uh, that said that uh, Peyton Manning, who uh, a name I kind of figured that would, would come up once or twice uh, this afternoon, uh, oh, yeah. he is going to, uh, uh, reportedly going to be meeting with 
um, a contingent uh, representing the Denver Broncos in Denver tonight. Uh, that group uh, will include John Elway, and they will be the first team to meet with the now free agent uh, Peyton Manning. So that is happening tonight. Uh, also, the, according to the Denver Post, um, there have been two other confirmations, uh, neither one a surprise, uh, of teams that Peyton will be meeting with, and that will be the Arizona Cardinals and the Miami Dolphins. So, uh, you know, to me, those are two teams that really stand out uh, as far as the sweepstakes to uh, secure Peyton Manning. But uh, the Broncos apparently will be will be uh, will be will get their first shot uh, at Peyton uh, tonight. So, uh, so this is this is happening pretty quickly, and, and I imagine it, it 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 will happen quickly because uh, I believe that uh, Peyton's camp has said, you know, they don't want to be a long, drawn-out process. Uh, they want to, you know, pretty much come to a pretty quick decision as to where Peyton's going to be. Um, you know, one, because he just, he just because because it's Peyton and he just doesn't want it to drag out. Number two, I think being, you know, being the kind of guy he is, wanting to be involved in all facets of a team's operation, you know, uh, probably wants to be on board uh, before... The, uh, the free agent signing period begins before the draft begins, so he can kind of be in on the on the decision making process because that's just the kind of guy he is. You know, he's pretty much, as we know, an assistant coach on the field. So, uh, so I, I think you know, based on that, this probably will happen pretty quickly. Not saying that it will happen today or tomorrow, but it's not going to go much past a week. I don't think um, they they've said. Peyton's camp has already said that they don't expect this to go on more than a week. They want to they want to get something done. They want to, you know, get get a short list together and figure out where Peyton's going to be and sign and, and, and just go from there. So uh, there's three teams that we know of. There are others that, that are said to be in the mix. And, uh, but right now, the only confirmed visits that Peyton is making so far, uh, this, is, this could change by the minute, by the hour. Things happen very quickly, uh, are Denver, Arizona, and Miami so far. Wow, well, I opened the show talking about uh, my belief that he will go to Miami, so I'm glad to hear they're one of the three, but let's talk about the other two. Uh, Denver, um, you know, number one, he's meeting directly with John Elway. I mean, you know, face-to-face, two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time with similar, somewhat similar games. Elway was a much better runner than Peyton, but... uh, but they both had the golden arm, to say the least. So they're going to be talking the same language. And, uh, you know, I, I will say this, you know, as, as a someone who bought in fully on Tebow Mania and just enjoyed it immensely, uh, you know, Peyton Manning is probably the only person on the face of the earth that Denver could replace Tebow with and... Still, re- still, you know, keep the fans relatively happy. Um, that could be a great, great match. Obviously, they have a good defense. Uh, more importantly to me, they have a, uh, you know, an offense last year that uh, you, they could easily introduce like a new offense because the offense they had last year with Tebow, to their credit, they tailored it to Tebow and it worked. But, uh, you know, they're used to a much more traditional offense as, as is every NFL team. So I think that, uh, you know, Denver makes a lot of sense. I mean, a good offensive line, good protection for Peyton, good receivers, uh, you know, the, the long-time power running game. Uh, that could be a good fit, you know, and 
I could see that. Uh, and the other team, of course, uh, you know, the Dolphins, of course, being one, and the Cardinals, you know, number one, he'd be playing inside in the dome. That's the obvious. Apparently, he and Ken Wisenhunt, the coach, have a very, very strong relationship and background, uh, golf together at various events, what have you. And uh, Wisenhunt, of course, is an offensive minded coach. And they have Larry Fitzgerald. So, and a good defense as well. And, you know, they were hard to believe the Cardinals were in the Super Bowl just a couple of years ago. So they still have sort of the core of a championship team. And Wisenhunt, of course, worked well with Kurt Warner in the twilight of his career, as he would be doing with Peyton Manning. So, so what are your thoughts? Uh, on I, the I, two think there's, I think there's selling points for, for all three. Um, Obviously, you know, and, and, and let's face it, I mean, wouldn't you want to be fly on the wall for a meeting between Elway and Peyton? I mean, how great would that be, number one? Just to, Unbelievable. Just to, listen, to, that, just to listen to that conversation, right? Um, I, I think that, you know, it, a lot of it, a lot of, part, a lot of Denver is a good fit. I think the part of Denver that is not a good fit, and you, you just alluded to this uh, a couple minutes ago, I think when you think of Peyton Manning, you think of a guy who is at his best either in a dome or in warm weather, of which Denver uh, is neither. Um, I, I think that I think it's a big factor here because you know, let's 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 remember that ultimately, you know, and this is this is a very you know unusual situation. This is a situation that doesn't doesn't come up very often when you have an elite superstar athlete in a sport pretty much having the opportunity, you know, in this type of situation, being released from a team. And, you know, having kind of a free agent frenzy, you know, uh, you know, we think of baseball is happening more so in baseball, but this is more of a situation where a team released a player and then all of a sudden, you know, he's pretty much available to anybody. So ultimately, the thing we have to remember is that this is going to be Peyton's decision and he's going to weigh each situation to where he can succeed. He's not going to go to a team that's going to be rebuilding or, or is, 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 is perceived to be a weak team. Uh, he's going to go to a team that he feels can win right now, a team that he feels can put, he feels he can help put over the top. Um, while Denver may be one of those teams, may fit into that conversation, you know, given the other talent they have, given the good defense, given uh, the fact that, you know, you have a, a John Elway in charge there, you do have some young receivers there that are very good. I just, if, if you had to just rank, rank those three teams, I don't think you put Denver number one because of the weather factor. I think, I think Arizona is a great fit. Um, they, you know, as, as you mentioned, you know, he was not have a relationship. They do it. They have Larry Fitzgerald, who has openly lobbied for the Cardinals to, to get Peyton Manning, whatever it takes to do. Uh, they have a, a, a good young defense. You know, a lot of a lot of good things going for the Cardinals. You know, warm weather. They do have the dome there when it gets too hot. Uh, that 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 that's a good fit. And I agree. And I, I think Miami's an excellent fit too. Miami is maybe, if you look at the three teams, the team that, that Peyton might, might make the most difference, I would say it would probably be Arizona. But, you know, Miami has, you know, the, the comfort level of him being, uh, being an AFC team, um, you know, which, which, is, which Peyton's people, I think, have said that they haven't come out and said it. You know, if, he, if he's going to be making his decision, it's going to be where he feels most comfortable. I would tend to think that would be an AFC team. You know, they have, uh, you know, they 
the best is an up-and-coming receiver. Your Reggie Bush played well there last year. They have an all-pro uh, left offensive tackle to protect the blind side and, and uh, Jake Long. So Miami is also a good fit. Miami probably isn't as uh, as talented a team the rest of the way as uh, Arizona is. And the other factor here, too, again, you know, nobody's really come out and said this, but uh, I heard an interview with Tony Dungy, uh, obviously a long-time Colts coach, uh, the other day, and he was saying that he feels that Peyton, all things equal, would go would rather go to an AFC team, number one, because of the comfort level. He's an AFC guy. And number two, he does not want to be in a position where he would have to compete uh, openly with his uh, against his brother, which would take which would which would take the Redskins out of the mix. Although there are the Redskins have been mentioned prominently, uh, you know Daniel Snyder has deep pockets; they have the cap space, um, you know, and they would do anything to try to get him. Uh, but I don't think that that Peyton's going to feel comfortable going to a team like the Redskins to play against Eli and the Giants twice a year. I, I don't see that happening. I don't see the Jets getting involved, although you know my. My paper has published stories saying that, yeah, the, 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 the Jets won. They're going to go after him. But, you know, they, they, they have more expansions. They have issues on the offensive line. They have issues with receiver. I don't see the Jets as being a great fit. Um, uh, the Chiefs have been mentioned. Um, that's kind of intriguing uh, in a way. Kind of, it would be kind of the, the route that, the, that Joe Montana took. Again, some good young receivers. Jamal Charles is a great running back. Um, you know, uh, an improving young defense. That could be an interesting fit. And another interesting fit that people are talking about, but again, it'd be hard to make it happen, I think, is Houston. Um, the Texans have a load of talent. Um, Matt Schaub has had a lot of injury issues. Um, he's a good quarterback, but a lot of injury issues. He has one year left on his contract. Um, again, you know, you have uh, Andre Johnson. You have Arian Foster, who just re-signed with them. Um, that would be intriguing. Uh, I don't know that they have the cap flexibility, excuse me, to make that work, so... Uh, I think if you look at all those teams that, that, that have kind of been talked about, kind of mentioned, two to me that make the most sense are Arizona and Miami, as you talked about. And I think push comes to shove. I don't know. I, I, while, while Miami, you might say, might be the favorite because of the AFC, I, I have a feeling, I have a feeling that the, you might put the Cardinals number one. That's just my opinion. Uh, just a hunch. Um, you know, I, I, I see, I see the Cardinals would be a great fit for him. And if that doesn't happen, I could see Miami. Miami would be a place very comfortable for him. He has a condo there. He has uh, you know, lots of connections there, obviously. Um, they want him. They have the cap space. So I, I could see one of the two. But if you had to ask me which one, I might go the Cardinals with, with Miami being a close second. And, of course, you know, uh, you know Denver, Denver is very intriguing as well. But I think if you look at warm weather, if you look at uh, – the type of team that Peyton would, would want to go to to make an impact, to help push over the top, my vote would be the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, and I could see that, Barry. Um, you, you, and they just, by the way, had you know breaking news interrupted uh, here on ESPN Sports Center announcing that what you just broke a few minutes ago, uh, that Peyton Manning indeed is meeting with the Broncos tonight. Uh, so... Yeah, I, I just feel that, you know, the Cardinals and the Dolphins, there's no real downside. I mean, we're just talking about Denver, you, you know. 
Peyton's a very smart guy. He reads everything connected with any situation. He's well-prepared. And, you know, as much as I said earlier, he could come in and would probably be the only athlete on earth to replace Tim Tebow without having uh, a lynch mob out in Denver would be... uh, But nonetheless, the Tebow contingent is strong. The believers are the believers. And, you know, so even... Peyton would encounter some negativity surrounding the fact of, you know, him replacing Tebow. Uh, that's, that is how popular Tebow really is out there, and, and to a degree nationwide, of course. Tebow mania was not a mirage. It really did happen. And, uh, right. you know, there's zero downside to Miami, you know, even, and there's just zero downside to Arizona, as, as I see it. Um, I consider the Jets and the Redskins, although uh, both, you know, basically basically have all the money in the world, but they're both dysfunctional, and Peyton's just not going to choose either of them. There's just too much risk. Um, I agree. You know, with those two franchises. You know, I look at Kansas City, and, you know, I guess I'll start with the fact that I didn't realize, like, the Matt Castle era was, like, over, uh, but I realized we're talking about Peyton Manning, who could be brought into just about... Any situation, except perhaps, you know, New England, New Orleans, and Green Bay, uh, you know, and nobody would be complaining, but, uh, but you know, they're just, um, I, I just don't see it. I mean, I think that's, I, I think the weather factor is real. Uh, like you said, he'd have it in Denver, not a dome in cold weather. You're, he'll also have that in Kansas City. Um, I don't know. I, I'm just not feeling Kansas City. Uh necessarily um although i will say this one thing you know kansas city to me is similar to indianapolis except if anything more rabid i mean they're the best fans in the nfl everybody says it's the best game day experience in the nfl by far as a game at kansas city arrowhead stadium tailgating what have you everybody wearing red all of it it's like a college game which right. i think peyton would find generally appealing <laughs> um but yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, Houston, uh, boy, you know, on the surface, that looks to be a good fit across That's the board. Really um, it? Yeah, it is. That one really is. That one really is. Um, and he would be playing against in the same division against the Colts twice a year. <laughs> so, you know, and Houston's, you know, they're a step away from the Super Bowl. And needless to say, you get Peyton Manning, that is one giant step, to put it mildly. So, yeah, I think it's going to be great. I, clearly, it doesn't seem like we're going to get the LeBron tour here. It no, sounds I don't like think it's going to happen, and that's not going to happen. You're not, and you're not going to have a one-hour TV show where you're going to announce the decision because it's just not the way Peyton operates. And, the, and I think we know that. I think, you know, we'll, I think we're going to find out very soon. I, I, would, I, would, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, 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 if this ended sometime this weekend. I really, I really don't think it's going to be a drawn-out process. I think it's going to happen quickly. I think Peyton's going to going to going to make his decision relatively quickly. We may see him. We may, you know, we we know he's going to visit with Denver tonight, and I think we may see him visit you know a couple of the other towns in very short order. Um, and who knows? He may have already met with 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 the Dolphins. They're just not saying because he was in Miami yesterday. Uh, right. So you know, the, so there's a good chance you know the you know if, if if you want to kind of read between the lines here, he may have already went, met with people from Miami and it just hasn't gotten out. Um, you know, you never you never know. 
stuff that would make sense in some remote location, uh, out of the way, out of the out of the, the prying eyes of the media, that could have happened. Or I'm sure there's been contact already between the Dolphins and Peyton. Um, so you know there there may have been some seeds planted there already. So that wouldn't surprise me. And uh, and again, after a trip to Denver, you know maybe you take a flight down to Phoenix uh, tomorrow, meet with the Cardinals. Although that hasn't been said, but that that would kind of make sense. Not that far away. And then I think sometime maybe this this weekend, uh, you know. Maybe maybe dueling with the selection Sunday for for the news of the day. I don't know. Um, again, I just think it's happened going to happen quickly. I think he. I think Peyton already has a pretty good idea of of, of where he would like of the type of situation he would want to be in. He's a, you know he's one of the smartest athletes of our generation, if not all time. Um, you know, it's, it's, this is not going to drag out. This is going to happen quickly. And uh, I I would put my money on either Arizona or Miami. Well, I agree. He could also, uh, if he goes to Phoenix, stop in Houston on the way back to Miami. Geographically, works perfectly. Absolutely. All right. Well, Barry, believe it or not, we're at the end of our show. Thank you so much for joining us. My pick of the weekend for sports viewing uh, is basically all the NCAA games leading into Selection Sunday at 6 p.m. on Sunday. Uh, Should be great stuff. And as always... Thank you for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.